Welcome to Hoof and Horn, a pagan podcast with T-Rex and Braxis Mudai, where we talk about witchcraft, paganism, music, the occult, and whatever else we want. Hello, T-Rex. Hi, Braxis. How are you? Okay. Good. Uh, I think we just heard Metal Horse. We with, did. With the song. Metal Horse. Have you seen that video? I've watched that video a lot of times. I think everybody should watch that video. Those chaps. Uh, chaps. Have a way with, <laughs> with showing some uh, 
music in visual form, I guess. I agree. <clears throat> Where do they find that video? Metalhorse.band? I believe so. Under the videos. You know what else I heard? It's on, it's on YouTube. What? Um, that they had an audio book on there. They do. Four chapters of an audio book, and it's badass. And I heard they got all their friends together and, like, did all these voices. Uh-huh. And there's sound effects. They're artists, huh? It's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. I respect those guys. Yeah. For sure. Talented. So go check it out, and then you can leave comments on our Instagram or our Facebook page. Or even on the Metal Horse Facebook page. Yeah, I think... They're kind of Viking orientated. Yeah. Which is a good thing. Yeah. We're going to hear more Metal Horse songs throughout the episode. But this episode, our second, we have a new microphone. Maybe you can tell. We don't sound so echoey or crackly. T Rex, T Rex, T Rex. <laughs> What's this episode about, Praxis? Uh, we are doing our top. Five movies for a category that you called. I called it otherworldly to fit in no, some of yours. No, it's not a word you said. What, like magic? Like witchy. Witchy. Pagan. <laughs> occult. I don't know. Weird. Oh, weird. Weird. Okay. And I will admit that I kind of dived into the weirder of part course. of that. And I dive into the more magic y part. Shocking. Cool. It's perfect. <laughs> Wouldn't want to hear that. Right. And so you have to know, everybody, that if you have not seen some of these movies and you're going to get your panties in a bunch about spoilers, you should pause we're gonna, and look at the show notes for the, right? Well, we're going to do something right now. I think what? we should list our top fives real quick before we dive into each one and dissect it. So okay. that if they're listening, they're like, oh, shit, I didn't, I haven't watched that movie yet. I better watch like that, it. Like a pappy? Right, exactly. <laughs> if their old grandma says, God damn it, I ain't seen that movie. It doesn't go away the plot. Um, right. <clears throat> so, let's, you want to do that real quick or no? Is that giving away the, the farm too soon? I think it is. Okay. All Don't right. You? Well, F it. Well, fuck it too. Yeah, but. that as well. I can mark this as explicit. It's fine. <clears throat> um... I feel like it's in the, just put it in the show notes. So go look if you want Good to. Good idea. Right? And then if you don't want to, you want to travel this road with us from one, no, from five to one. Look in the show notes. Then you can. I think the oldest movie on here is 1973. So it's old as me. And the newest one might be. I do have one, have relatively like new one, relatively so new one. You can always hit pause and then go watch the movie and then come back. Brax's first movie. Fifth movie. So your category on this was witchy, pagan, and weird. Well, it wasn't my category. I feel like it was like the, the categories we got in there, we had to get weird in there because you had weirder movies that weren't necessarily right. Right. witchy movies. So we broadened it to fit in. And we're going to try to bury the lead by going from the bottom to the top of each of these lists. Yeah. All right. Which I like. So we also have a dog and a cat in here. So if you hear a lot of my dog's drinking right now. So if you hear that, that's what's going on. All right. So my first movie. 
was the Dark Crystal. Okay. I, and I think I'm kind of like basing this list off of me growing up and being in the religion that I was, that seeing these things that were outside of that, that were total fantasy, you know, I mean, especially starting with the Dark Crystal, that uh, spoke to me. That I was like, oh, wow, there's other things out there besides this whole rigid way of thinking. Um, I love the Dark Crystal. You know my favorite line from that. What is that? Do you, I do you... hate your wimper. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that is a good one. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Uh, Jim Henson was involved in that. The scene where the main Skeksky dies and like corrodes away, that stuck with me forever, man, forever. And I had a huge crush on the, uh, <laughs> shut up. I was young <laughs> and full of, so I did have a crush on that chick. The elfling Yes, girl? I can't Jen. remember what her name it is was, now. The, Jen? No, because I felt I always thought that that was it. I think Jen is the guy one. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's I don't know. I wish I knew. Well, you guys know who I'm talking about. It's okay, go ahead. Hello, I'll Google. keep talking while you Google <laughs> it up. Um. Yeah. I. I mean, she was helped this dude and was all about nature and weird and. Here, here we go. She's giving me I'm the signal. To, no, I'm looking. No, looking. uh oh. Keep going. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the puppetry in this movie is awesome. Um, again, I'm just kind of going from this when I was a kid that this was the first movie that I was like, "Wow, there's some fantastic stuff out there." <laughs> uh, do you have the name for us? I don't. Uh oh. You gotta get like, I need like the encyclopedia about Gelflings. Mm. Just what was the Gelflings name in? Right, should I ask that? Okay, Google. Oh, wait, is that okay, Google? They had the crab people in there. The who people? And they were called something else, but they were crabs, these huge crabs. I don't remember that. They had the Skeksis in there. Skeksky, Skeksis? Yes. Kira. Kira, yes, Jen and her. Kira. Okay, and they rode on those things that with the long legs that ran real yeah, fast. Those Weird. were kind of cool, and they remind me something from Star Wars or something like. Yeah, if you watch the uh, behind the scenes, I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. But those guys had like stilts on their legs and their arms as they were running to oh, make yeah, the yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. pretty awesome, man. Um. And the message of that I thought was pretty cool that, you know, in the end, spoiler alert, those two guys, <laughs> those two races kind of come together, you know, to make this crystal work or whatever. Well, aren't, aren't they one being that shattered? Yes. Right? Exactly. So like how is crystal. that, like looking at that, is there something magical or? Oh, we're definitely you know? all one. If we could all remember that. Good and bad, you know, that we are good and bad. You know, weren't the Skeksis kind of bad? And then those other things that like hummed a lot, right? If I remember correctly, <laughs> yeah, they like, did hum a lot. They just like hum all the time, yeah. throat sing. They shattered when the crystal shattered, right? Yeah, then they put it back together. And then what happened? All was well with the world. What happened after that? 
those two things came together. Right. Yeah, I mean, they rejoined. And there was peace among the land. That just seems like a good movie. So that was at number five on my list. Okay. Um, is there anything else I'd like to say about it? It's weird. Check it out. It's really... I mean, who hasn't seen a Dark Crystal, though? Well, that's someone true. someone hasn't seen a Dark Crystal, I know, I'm but slap them. I, I, have to, I have to mention it because I'm kind of doing this as I grew up and got out of this phase of there's nothing else in this world except for this little box right here. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So that's it. My number five is Dark Crystal. Great movie. And we're going to switch it over to T-Rex now. What is your number five? My number five is The Witch, the New England folktale. Okay, why don't you tell us about that? <laughs> <laughs> and why it's your number five. It's my number five because I love this movie. I think it's really well done. I don't care that this particular witch or witches out in the woods are have signed their names in the book of Satan. You know, I think that we can calm down for people that freaked out about it being, that's not what we do. Duh. Yeah. Hollywood has done us no favors for sure. Well, no, but I don't care because I know what I do and I know what I don't do, you know? And I just feel like this subtitle of the movie is a new England folk tale. It's a folk tale. Of this classic idea of the witch who signs her book in the book of Satan and lives out in the woods and, you know, kidnaps babies. Like, mm -hmm. I, I get it. If you want to be mad about it, you could be mad about it. But I think that we have bigger problems in the world to be mad about and throw our energy at. So that's my, my little rant about it. But I loved it. Um, overall, synopsis of the movie is... The father, William, and the mother, Kate, they live in this plantation with their children. And apparently he is such a rabid, radical dude that for the Puritans that have formed this plantation in the New World, he is way too much for them. And he's a big giant pain in the ass, apparently. It's how it opens up. He's a rebel. He is, but he's like more than they can handle. And he won't stop. And he's annoying the shit out of everybody. And so... You know, like it opens up in kind of like a meeting where they're standing before these elders and it's kind of like you either chillax or you got to leave. And it's not like I'm going to hop over to the next plantation. There isn't another one that would be even reasonable for them to get to or there just isn't one. And he is such pride and I don't know, I guess religious fervor that he opts to take his wife and four children out into the wilderness as opposed to stay there as part of this community. And the unknown. He's facing yeah, the Yeah, but unknown. you're a father and you're dragging your family out to literally nothing. It'd be like packing right. up and yeah. going to move to Montana with nothing. Hasn't I think known he's anything an but that. What? Hasn't known anything but that. But what? What he's been around in that community. Now he's willing to sacrifice that to go out into the woods. Right. For his religious pride. So that's what they do. And we, I think we, you mentioned something about when we talked about this earlier, about nature being a 
It felt like it was National Geographic. A little bit. A little bit. Um, I I still loved the movie. But I felt like there were long scenes of that. Um, I, and I get what they were trying to do. It was absolutely, you know, the unknown. You know, what is out there. Um, and I, I still loved it. Uh, it's just one little side comment that I would make about it. It's just a little bit too much of that. Too much nature for you? No, just still pictures of nothing really happening, and I have to look at that. You know, I've seen that a few times now. I, I understand it. Yeah, I feel like it was like I was building weird suspense because it's uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, sure. You know what I mean? So sure. I feel like there was a way of them building this uncomfortable low sizzle. It kind it. of reminded me of The Happening. I uh, Mid Midnight Shyamalan. M Night Shyamalan. Yes, yes, and it had uh, one of the Wahlberg brothers in there. Yeah, I don't, I didn't see that. So he goes and he takes his family out there and they build a house and start farming and they have a new baby and uh, I guess their oldest daughter Thomason is about fifteen, maybe. And their son Caleb is probably about thirteen. 12-ish. They have two twins, Jonas and Mercy, who are, I'd say, about six or seven, and Henri and Don't Listen, and then the, the new little little baby. Um, and they have a cool black goat named Black Phillip, who has giant goat horns. I don't know who would own a goat with goat horns like that. I really like that name. Black, black Phillip? Phillip? Oh, yeah. me too. But that goat is scary as shit. Um... The poster for that was just Beautiful. awesome. His one eye and that horn. What? And the yeah. two bees. Beautiful, but scary. You yeah. Know? And um, I think it really kind of kicks off where Thomason takes the baby so the mom can do something and, you know, is out. So weird, though, because she goes really far from the house and she's in front of, you know, your National Geographic shot right there in front of the woods and is playing peekaboo with this, you know, maybe like four or five month old baby. And then the baby's just gone. And, you know, you see like this cloaked witch running through the woods and it's disturbing, you know. She pretty much makes a flying ointment out of the pulp of this baby, <laughs> you know. Totally. It's terrible. Totally. It's terrible, but that's the folktale. I did like how little they kind of showed of what you were to be afraid of. You know yeah, because I mean? you had I, to I use, like, like, your imagination, Yeah. you know? Um, I think that it just kind of rolls out from there. Now there's this missing baby, and they think, like, oh, a wolf took it. But Thomason didn't see no wolf. You know, it just like disappeared. And then things just start falling apart. I think the twins don't listen. I think those twins were the witches all along. Um, what? I was just going to say, I, I don't know where we're going to get to this part, but the kid, the boy. Caleb. Who did that part where he's laying on the bed and oh yeah, give him all the money because yeah. that motherfucker. I think so he hit it. how'd they get how did he get that out? It was something like the baby's gone and now they're they the dad is a shit farmer. He's a shit hunter. 
you know, so they're kind of, things are getting bad. I think he's, the mother has like this silver cup that was her dad's and he took it to go to the plantation and sell it so that he could buy, you know, supplies that they needed. Um, they've gone off looking for the baby a bunch, but now it's been too long. The baby would probably have died um, from exposure or hunger. Um, the mom's mad that she can't find the cup. She's blaming Thomason. And then her, she's the mother is stressing out that they're going to, you know, they're going to starve out there. I feel like there's a rising tension with now that there's this older daughter. She's kind of becoming a competition in a way for the mother. You know, there's a weird relationship with the father and the daughter. She has to undress him and like brush out his woolens. And, you know, Caleb, there is no other girls for him to look at or associate with. It's just his mom and his sister who's starting to get like lady parts that are noticeable you know, and then there's a, a lover little girl, but, you know, that's natural. Like, these natural things are rising in him, and he knows it's wrong to kind of look at his sister, but he doesn't have anyone else to look at. So there's this whole weird sexuality thing that's simmering in there, too, and, like, roles that are not, you know, they are all, they are completely on their own. Um, and I think they're going to, they say they're going to, send Thomason to some other family and get her out of there because it's just another mouth to feed. And Thomason and Caleb go off in the woods to maybe go see if they can find something in one of the traps. She won't let him go alone and they get separated. She gets thrown from her horse and Caleb is alone in the woods. And you kind of, he comes across the dog, the family dog Fowler you know, and then you hear Fowler barking and he's chasing Fowler and something totally disembowels that dog. It's terrible. And then Caleb stumbles on the classic witch cottage in the woods. And it is not, the witch does not look like the old haggy witch that pulped up that baby. She kind of comes out looking like hot yeah, glamour, red cloaked, lots of boobs, you know, beautiful. And he, I don't, he doesn't look like he wants to kiss her, you know, but he does and then kind of gets attacked, you know. So, yeah, so now another child is missing off of this, off of this farm and they're all freaking out, like, where's Caleb? And of course, there's those elements of the sons are more important than the daughters, you know. So now here's another son that's gone and he sort of stumbles in there after a day or so, totally naked, bewitched is what they're saying. He's bewitched. And that scene that you're talking about where he, uh, yeah, gives him all the money. Yeah. Was that's an amazing child actor right there and dies having like a, moment with Jesus that was a little sexual. <laughs> yeah. Wait. A little weird. A little what? weird and uncomfortable, but, you know, there's this whole, that I think Jonas and Mercy accuse Thomason of being a witch because, Tom, you know, Jonas doesn't, or Mercy doesn't listen to anybody and they're off by the creek a little earlier than that and, you know, Tom, 
Mercy is just playing. She's playing that she's the witch of the wood, you know? Clickety clackety! Clickety clackety! I love that part. I just run around all the time doing that, just so you know. Um, and Thomason's teasing her, saying, I'm the witch of the wood, and I took the baby, and the whole thing. So now there's witch accusations happening that the kids are accusing each other and the father. Like, they believe it. Like, that's just this crazy thing. Like, you watch them. Go he insane. believes it. He believes that his daughter, you know, is a witch. It's just so crazy to watch like this interpersonal relationships start to break down from from threats, from from religious thought, from fear, from being alone. It'll do it. Yeah, it's really, really good. And then it really just all gets down. I, I feel like Black Philip, or you know, maybe maybe he was originally waiting for mercy. The little girl, but eventually it just kind of comes down to the only one left standing is Thomason. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead except Thomason. If I haven't said it, Black Philip is a great name. It is. It well, is. Show. And there's that's that one scene, you know, it's beautiful. And it's again a lot of nature, but it's it's Thomason coming out of the house with the, the lantern. And Black Phillip is standing there outside that destroyed barn, you know, and she follows the she follows the goat into the barn because, you know, the, the kids are always singing to Black Phillip and saying that Black Phillip tells them that, you know, they can do whatever they want. They don't have to listen. She sings rhymes about Black Phillip, the little girl. And Mercy's, you know, Black Phillip kills the dad. So, you know. And then she kills her mother. It's just so crazy. But she starts to talk to Black Philip like, Black Philip, I conjure thee to speak to me. And she says it a couple of times. And right before she turns to leave, like, oh, okay, I guess this, this is not true. You hear Black Philip start to talk to her. And it's so good. And he asks, what does that want? You know? Does that wish to live deliciously? Do you wish for a taste of butter or, you know, a pretty dress? And she's got nothing now. Nothing. Her family's total, they're all dead. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like a dress. And then it's the whole, do you see the book in front of you? And when the camera shoots down to the book, you can see the hooves of the goat standing just in the background of that. And Black Phillip takes a couple of steps and they do this great thing with the camera and special effects where it just becomes the boots of this elaborately dressed man. And she's standing there with her hair all down and she has, he tells her to take off her shift. So she has to disrobe, you know, the classic naked sign in the book of the, of Satan, you know, and he tells her that, you know, she has to, write her name in the book and she says she can't write and that's when you kind of see him move around the shadows behind her it's beautiful almost piratey you know um debonair looking beautiful man and he says that he'll guide her hand and then she's just walking naked off into the woods followed by this goat to a ritual where there's these other 
that I counted, there was like six other women out there. And where the hell did they come from? Well, I don't know. People that also got kicked out of the plantation. Who knows? But they're all there. And apparently the words that they're saying are all from, are they Enochian? I think there's Enochian. some kind of Enochian. There's some kind of Enochian ritual or scripts or something like that. Oh. And she's officially living deliciously, having signed her name. And they all start to like levitate. And she's just laughing and laughing and laughing. And then it's the end. Sounds like a good Loved time. it. I loved it. I just thought it was fantastic. And I kind of want a black Philip too. But maybe with smaller horns because that thing could do some damage. <laughs> I did really like the ending of that. Oh, at the end, we're around the fire. Yeah, and the yeah, levitating. Creepy as hell. Yeah, awesome. Totally. Like, I wanted to run out in the woods and find I'm that. signing that book, yeah. okay? <laughs> where, the, where the fuck is it that I can do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure, Black Phillip. Give me some butter. Right. <laughs> yeah, super creepy. I don't know if there was anything that was ever intentional on Thomas's part, but just something that kind of happened to her. You know, so is he always after Thomason? Is he, was he, it's just something that happened? Who knows? I mean, I don't want to be stealing any babies and putting them in, you know, pounding them into a pulp so I can rub it on my naked, wrinkly body and my broom and sail off to the Sabbath. Like, I'll do without that, but. Secret you know, sauce. Just, yes, the secret sauce of that poor baby, but. Again, it's a folktale. They did it brilliantly. They utilized things from witch trials. I even looked up something that Caleb said when he came out of his like coma before he died and was, uh, God, what do you say about the ax? Um, use the short ax. He'll take off her head. Use the broad ax. He'll take off her head. It actually came out of a witch trial thing. Huh. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I liked it. You know, I think some of the ideas in there that I wrote down like a nerd was, you know, what happens when this puritanical God takes his favor away? Because here you are this godly person, but where, where is he? Is he, you know, he's abandoned these people just like their community has. You know, what happens when the community turns you out, you know, or when, Nature shows its teeth. Nature can kill us. It can support us, but it can also kill us. We need each other. We need community. We can't be that alone. Uh, yeah, very unprepared for the outside world and no lessons of that from the, inside the community. Right. For sure. Right. Yeah, that's my number five. Uh, and that might have been on my list, but I already knew T-Rex had that on her list. Yeah, so. we didn't double up our movies. Even with the National Geographic spots. <laughs> See, I thought was, they were creepy. It was still cool. good. It was still good. I just had seen, I thought, you know, I've seen this before in that other movie, The Happening. But still good. Yeah. Still good. I'm not going to diss it because, uh, because of that. Okay, what's your number four? All right. <clears throat> now, this is a movie that I saw when I was probably 13. Uh, you know, deep within the JW religion. You know. In the cult? Yeah, yeah. Spent the night over at a friend's house, and this probably happened to 
you know, a thousand people before inside this thing, where you got somebody who just joined the religion, kid, you make friends with them, and your mom and dad are trying to get them into. So, oh, if they're studying, if they're coming to the hall, then, oh, well, yeah, my son can spend the night over at your house. So here I was kind of with these people who were new to it, at least. New to being Jehovah's Witnesses? Yes, exactly. So, you know, you'd go over there and you'd see weird shit that you were like, well, you know, what the fuck is this? You got a Smurf doll? Holy hell. You know, I got to get out of here. I think you need to give a little context for the Smurf doll comment. All right. So anybody who who has been in that knows probably what I'm talking about just by saying the words. And Smurfs. is as old as you. Though. Sure. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so there was this big thing that went around that, <laughs> 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 that uh, Smurfs were jumping off a of wallpaper and attacking little kids. Uh, doll Smurfs were... Hanging out in cribs and scratching up the babies. Um, these people would go around and put their watchtowers and awakes everywhere, you know, in the house. And then they'd wake up and they'd be sprung about. Uh, I even heard this wasn't. Now, I did hear these stories, but as you, you know, met other Jehovah's Witness kids, they got to bigger ones. And one that I didn't hear was that uh, myself, but they related to me that some kid brought a Papa Smurf doll to the Kingdom Hall. <laughs> and during the, you know, talk or whatever, this little motherfucker jumps up and is walking down the hall, oh, you know, between right. the aisles there. You mean, and by little motherfucker, you mean by the Smurf doll, not yes, the kid. Yes, yes, no, exactly, clear. not the kid. <laughs> this doll animates itself. And besides, it's had enough with fucking God and says, I'm out of here. And starts strutting his little ass down the aisle and leaves the building. So, you know, they would have uh, overseers, which would come every once in a while and, like, give more information. They were called overseers? Yes, indeed. That sounds like straight out of slavery. Oh, yeah. It might as well have been overlord, you know. Ew. Okay. But they would have this information from the Watchtower Society or whatever about, you know, the newest thing. And I remember sitting there as a kid listening to this guy tell this shit to, like, three other sisters who were almost fucking in tears about it. And just thinking, what the fuck is going on right now? I mean, what the fuck is really going on? Unbelievable. I'm... I couldn't make this up. I couldn't make it even more. Is this a Smurf movie? Right. It might as well be. Do you have a Smurf movie on your list? How do we get? I forgot how we got. I do not have a Smurf movie. I don't know where we got to that. (laughs) Because that movie, I actually had to see that movie with a little girl that I went with. And uh, it was a terrible movie. The Smurf movie? I mean, this kid that I went with was probably... Uh, seven or eight, maybe. And they spent more time on the advertising business that Neil Patrick Harris was in than they did on actual fantasy land Smurf stuff. You know, these kids don't give a shit about that. I love Neil Patrick Harris and he was awesome in, um, oh, I'm going to get it wrong. The live part of the Broadway of, uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. What? What? Give it up for that. Yeah. that. That guy did a great job. Anyways, 
getting back to the whole idea here of the Smurfs and everything. Yeah, that was just a story that went around, and I'm sure anybody who's been in Jehovah's Witnesses probably heard that story. So I was at this kid's house <laughs> <laughs> who had just started studying, yeah, right? You've, you've fucking been there. I know you have. Um, so we're, I'm there and his parents aren't home. You know, I did not yeah. tell my parents that his parents weren't going to be home. And we're in his room hanging out, playing video games and shit. And I come out of the room and they're watching the evil dead. Oh boy. Yeah. And it's a part where the things like moving through the forest, the yeah, camera's yeah. just, and that got me, man. I was just like, oh my God, this is. This is the demonic shit they've all been talking about. Here it is right in front of me. Holy hell. I had a reaction to that, man. I really uh, you're did. having a reaction right. now. But what was... <laughs> I am. You're right. What was weird about that was I was both like, holy shit, and also I am trans... But also I was totally transfixed. Like, oh my God, here it is. It's right in front of me. Uh, you know, all the lights were out. You know, they were probably getting drunk because they were much older than we were. Probably 18, 19, 20, somewhere around in there. But my mind and eyes just went right to that TV. I know. Yeah. I'm so scared, right, Tony? <laughs> and um, that was just a defining moment for that movie. Here it was, this thing moving through the woods. It was coming to get you, you know? <laughs> I mean, it was it was pretty intense at that time like in my life. That that early movie, too, I, I think it was, like, trying to be scary. Because the other Evil Deads became... Goofy. Silly. Right. But well, I feel like this one had some silly parts, but... It did. It was kind of uh, tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. But also that, yeah. But if, as a kid, I feel like your age would not have been allowed to see much of that. I'm sure it was just totally amped up in your view. Here's a little side note to all that. That car that's in there that they drive up on the ca uh, cabin in, mm. that yellow car is also in Spider-Man as Uncle, Uncle Ben's, Ben's car. car. And it's in a bunch of other movies. So if you're a big fan of that type of bullshit, go check it out, man. Sam Raimi. <laughs> That car is in every fucking movie. Did he do everybody. this, that movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Evil Dead, yes. And so he uses yeah. the same car yep. and all of yep. Oh, funny. It's kind of like an Easter egg. Exactly. I got two uh, dogs and cats fighting here. Hey. Okay. But yeah. Um, and this is also like, it's 11 o'clock. 11.30 at night. We're in his room playing what loaf of bread did Jesus build? And then walking out. Okay, his room is all bright and shit. Walking out into a dark hallway. You're going to just get some fucking Pepsi or something out of the fridge. And these, you know, you see the backs of their heads and the TV on. And then there's this thing going through the woods and shit. And you are just... Would you pee your pants a little? No, but I shit him a little. No, but I, I froze and was fucking hypnotized by 
seen what I thought at that age was, oh, the devil in the movies and the music and all that shit. Here it is. Here it fucking is. And I knew that I was at, you know, a worldly person's house because oh. they had just started. So, oh, my God. They were. They are. Holy shit. Oh, my oh, God. Right. Yeah, everything you've been told is true. Exactly. But at the same time, there was a curiosity that I couldn't um, deny, you know, of, I mean, I stood there and watched that, the rest of the entire movie, just standing there in the kitchen without them knowing I was even there, watching that whole fucking thing, man. Um, and then, you know, later, after you watch that movie when you're an adult and I look back at it, there are some hilarious things in it that like? the paper mache head, <laughs> the deer that laughs. Uh, Bruce Campbell is awesome in that movie. He, he overreacts in all kinds of situations, but it's just great. Wasn't that like a weird thing with a head in a, I feel like the girl, the possessed girl, really scared me. When Comes out of the floor, right? Yeah, so she's all freaking out. Yes, like, but her, like, pop her head. Or her something. head looks turns into this paper mache thing that you can totally fucking see. That's unfucking believable. It's hilarious. I would have never noticed that as a child. <laughs> to me, it was all holy hell. So. It, the Evil Dead being on this list, it's, it's going to fall under the weird category. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a Necronomicon, is in it? Oh, and the right? guy, they they find the tape and they turn on the recording and you hear that guy saying the stuff out of there. It's pretty oh, yeah, awesome, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Right. Yeah, it's just one of those movies that's, I mean, you can see in parts where there's the cabin and then... There's a full moon, but you can see the Photoshop of a square around a full moon. But it's, but, it's a B movie. Yeah, it's still it's still good, man. It really is. It really is. Bruce Campbell yeah, is my awesome. My brothers love that. Movie. It is awesome, and he was in all the Spider Mans too. Made a cameo in all those. Yeah, he was the waiter in one, and the movie theater guy in another, and okay. probably something else in the other one that I can't remember right now. Okay. All right, so that was my movie. Was there anything was else I wanted to say about Evil Dead? Um, I think they did get a little funnier as they were. Uh, Army of Darkness is just ridiculous. totally ridiculous, right? <laughs> um, but I think that's it. So my number four was Army of Darkness. And that's the end of that. Over to T-Rex with her number four. My number four is Practical Magic. You know that has to make the list. Um, sure, sure. Now that's, everybody loves that. That's with Nicole Kidman and Sandra, Sandra Bullock, Bullock and Diane Weist and Stockard Channing. Is that her name? That's a cool yes. name, Stalker. Stockard. Oh, shit. Um... I mean, you gotta love that movie, I feel like. You gotta love the movie for the house. You gotta love the movie for the story, for the actresses. Um, I could watch that movie over and over again. Sometimes I watch it and I'm like, who's prettier? <laughs> I do the, who's prettier? <laughs> the redhead or the brunette? Who's prettier? And they're both so beautiful. But I think, what? I was just gonna say, 
that movie is somewhat of a chick movie. Of course it is. For sure. Yeah. Right. Hi, I'm I've a seen chick. it. Right. I get it. <laughs> totally. I just wanted to throw that out well, there. Well, I think that there's lovely things in the movie. You know, I think that that the idea of you know the sto the story is that they they have an ancestor Maria. You know, it's kind of like sort of a Massachusetts colony again, and is a witch and you know put her to death, but she magics the rope and you know she gets banished from another banished person, right? And banished from there's a theme here. They're the best people. Yeah, she gets banished and waiting for her lover and baby daddy who never comes and is so heartbroken that her heartbreak creates a curse for the women in her line. <laughs> and so they always lose their true loves, I guess. And this is the, I guess the end of the line for that stain or wound on their family. And so you have aunt, Oh my gosh, it's Jet and what's the other aunt's name? How I can I do this? That. They yeah, so the two aunts. Google that, it. The, I'm Googling it. Um if I put Aunt Jet. Um they live in that house together and It kind of they, goes throughout their history, right? They're little girls in the beginning. Well, yeah, they're little girls, girls and their own mother. I think their mother died of a broken heart because their father died. And the idea is that when they hear the death beetles rattle, then they know that the man that they love is going to die. And apparently uh, Aunt Frances and Aunt Jet, that's what it is. And Aunt Frances and Aunt Jet are both widows. And it was their sister who is their, was the girl's mother, Nicole Kidman and and Sandra Bullock's mother apparently died of a broken heart. And I always wondered if that was code for their mother ending her life intentionally. And so the girls have to be raised by their Aunt Frances and their Aunt Jet. And then one is very, very talented at magic. That's Sally, who's um, Sandra Bullock. And um, Nicole Kidman's character is, what's her name? How could I forget this? Jillian. And Jillian's not as talented as Sandra Bullock. Does she have a nickname? Sally. Jilly. And Jillian and Sally. And so when Sally's little, she writes a spell, creating a guy that she knows wouldn't exist so that she'll never fall in love and never suffer that heartbreak that their mother suffered. Let me take a guess. Oh, that guy shows up. He does. <laughs> what? Aiden Quinn, what? the detective who's searching for the criminal that they mistakenly kill who kidnapped Jillian. And so I laugh about it because I often have nightmares of I've got to hide the bodies, you know? And they actually do this in this movie. They've got to hide the body um, of the dude that they killed. It was a really bad dude. I have a cord to my computer. Where'd you put it? Um, and so it's just about healing. I think it's a movie about healing of hearts and healing, 
you know, breaking curses and breaking hexes. And they do that out of love for each other and um, of, out of family. I, you know, there's a couple things that I don't like about the movie, definitely. Well, let me say one thing that I like. What did you like? They were uh, both really pretty. Well, no, that they, <laughs> they kind of co-works their community into doing this thing mm -hmm. with them, right? And then became closer because of yeah. that. And I thought that yeah. was a good... So I feel like it's always Aunt Frances who wants, like, talks to people when they walk around and Jet tells her not to bother because people treat them as othered. You know, they live there on that island with everyone, but they're always othered. And Sally just wants to be normal. And Jillian wants to get out of there and does. Um, and there is that, you know, that whole phone tree because of the Sally has two daughters again. And her husband is killed from the death beetle. You know that, you know, she hears that and he dies and they mend it back just like the girls did. They're back with the aunts or the aunts. Um, yeah, that they do, they do rope in the community. <laughs> Which is a lovely, beautiful thing. Then on the other side of it, you know, the, the ritual when they're trying to exorcise this spirit that has possessed Jillian. And she's dying, you know, they can't get him out. And they don't, you know, magic 101, you know, the power to know. And so while they get all these ladies from the, you know, the class phone tree to bring brooms and help them with this spell working, nobody ever tells them what's going on or what to do. And there's this part where, are we supposed to say this? Like, it drives me crazy. Francis and Jet should have known to tell the women, like, what you're responsible for and what the chant's going to be before the ritual, you know, like we always do. But, um, again, it's another silly, cute chick flick movie. And Hollywood. Yeah. The guy does show up and... He has one green eye and one blue, and his favorite shape is a star. Hold and up. he can ride a horse backwards. What I remember about that movie the most <laughs> is the motherfucking cactus pancakes. Cactus pancakes. He right. can and that was part of Sally's spell. I mean and the little that's girls specific. Dude. It is specific. The little girls find it though, which I love. That Sally wrote that in her like baby diary. And the girl, her daughters find it and ask their Aunt Jillian did mommy write this about daddy? And Jillian looks at it and she says, yeah, yeah, he wrote that about daddy. And one of the girls says, well, daddy's eyes weren't blue. You know, daddy had brown eyes. And so she finally tells them, your mom wrote this about a, you know, about a guy that doesn't exist so that she would never fall in love. And so the girls nailed the spell. And so when the cop comes to breakfast that morning to continue to interview them. They're all into it. And he starts to make pancakes that are the shape of a cactus. They figure out this is the dude. And so. Prophecy. They, yeah. But I think Jillian's making a syrup with banishing seeds to get him to go away. You know, so there's magic in the movie too. And the little girls realize, no, 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 we don't want you to eat that. We don't want you to go away. You're the dude. And so they throw away her magic and. The night there was a part in there that, I, that has to do with love magic, you know, and one of the things that, a reason I don't, a lot of people don't like to do that in that way of love magic towards a specific target is that Sally says to him, you don't, 
know if you're here because of that spell that I cast and then and or, or I don't know if you're here because of that spell or not and you don't know if I just don't want to go to jail and so there's that idea of magic doesn't necessarily bring you the love that you want or you can trust so yeah it's good they jump off this the roof at Halloween and and fly or at least float down to the ground with their really awesome witch hats and cool shoes that I would really like to have. And I will say that the guy that ended up getting killed... He deserved it. He deserved it, right. He's a murderer. Right. Sorry he died from too much Belladonna. (laughs) Oops. Pinched too much, I guess. Do you want to listen to another song? I'm uh, sure. What, moon what one would you like, T-Rex? Um, we're, it's a metal horse night, isn't it? I believe so. We're going with Automator. And again, is this one? Is this one on their website? Should be. Uh, uh, yeah, I believe yeah. so. All right. Automator by Metal Horse.
That was a good song. That was. I you think should that was... check out. They play around Indianapolis. People should check them out. Automator uh, was the name of that song, I believe. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're number three. You're up to yes, three. number three. three. Up to three. And this is uh, one of the newer ones. Probably came out this year, I think. Or last year. Right. 2018? Did it come out in 2018? I don't know. Um, it's it's new. It's newer. Let's say that. Uh, this was a movie that I found on Netflix. And it was called Midsummer. Um, I liked this movie. <laughs> because it had a wide range of emotions happening through it the entire time. There was definite drug use that just hit the nail on the head. You know, a lot of times when you see other movies and they try to portray these things of what this drug use would well, be what, like. What drug use is, you know. Mushrooms. Yeah. Right. Um, they just really got it. And what people would say and, and how, how those emotions acted. would just totally yeah. get you in, in one word of something. Just I don't want new people right now. Change your <laughs> you know perspective altogether, man. Just one word out of anybody. Um I didn't know what what's next. the what's the movie about? Like give an overview for someone that hasn't seen it. Okay, it's about the this girl who recently has her family die in a very fucked up way. I mean, yeah. real fucked up. It looks to me like her sister killed her parents. Right. Right. And like they were sleeping and yeah. she did that. To yeah, them, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and herself. If you can make it past that, then, then all yeah, right. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> You'll make it through the rest of it. That was almost unnecessarily demented. Yeah. I felt. Mm-hmm. But I guess it was to make a point where this girl doesn't have a family anymore. Right. And, yeah. Uh, but they, her f- boyfriend and their his friends all decide they want to go to Sweden for this festival that they have. And, you know, some of them are in college and they're writing theses about I stuff. Think they're all like anthropology students or something, something like weird. that. Yeah. And there's one guy who's from that village. So he's taking them there. Pele, Pele, Pele. Pele, I think. Yeah. Um, So they take the girl, her boyfriend, this group of friends of three others, I think it is. Was it Mark and then Josh? Josh, yeah. Christian is the boyfriend to... What's her name? Oh, shoot. I don't remember. God. Well, Blondie. Yep. It's called Blondie. Yep. Orphan Blondie. Right. And then there's the guy who's actually from there, which I Pele. think is Pele. Yeah. Um, in the beginning, they do this awesome thing of them traveling on the road. You just see a car traveling, but the camera flips upside down. Yeah. And the road is on the top and the sky is at the bottom. And it's just like, it's welcome delicious. to fucking Discombobulatedville. I mean, yeah. <laughs> very fucking awesome. Yeah. Very good job. I read that as you're in another world. Yeah. Yeah. This is not Kansas. Anymore. Right. You've come through the veil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to Sweden, right? Yep. Is that where it is? Yeah. yeah. And it's for this festival that they have, and they don't know too much about it, but they're going there until they all go there. And it ends up being this, you know, giant ritual festival that they have. 
And it reminded me a lot of Wicker Man in, in a certain sense, just that it being about a sacrifice for the harvest or, or you know. But they're so nice and so welcoming and they trick them into just about mm-hmm. every single thing that they end up doing. And they're the, um, they're these Americans who go with this Sweden dude. And I swear there were times when I was just like, I can't believe you are being so disrespectful right now during this thing that is obviously going on. That's a ritual. That's yeah. a ceremony. Yeah. You're, you're sitting down, you're eating. Ask what? questions later. Yeah. <laughs> just look around. What are they doing? Oh, I should probably be doing that. But they just yeah. have no yeah. disregard for any of that. They're so like... They're here to observe that they just forgot to observe, you know? And I swear, like, when they walked through that really weird weaved round doorway into that big valley, and there were those people there standing there playing flutes to them, the New Yorker in me was, no. Oh, hell no. No, I'm out. You are way too nice. What do you want? You want something? Nuh-uh. You're going to yak on the floor? Not Braxis, but the dog. So, yeah, ritual, they're rude, they're uh, talking too much. Um, it was, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie, and I've heard people that did not, so I guess it's just your... <laughs> I mean, it's very strange, and sometimes you don't know what's going on, and people are getting taken out left and right, yeah. and they're not that forthcoming with what... They do there. Yeah, they, they end know? up like finding out what it is about right in the moment that it's yeah, happening. Yeah, which was also very strange to have. You know, I think for myself, I had hightailed it out there the minute the old people took face dives off the cliff. Right. Because if that is your, if that's someone's tradition, these are their beliefs, that doesn't seem like something you do. With the American kids sitting there, I'm in danger. <laughs> you know? Yeah, they pretty much disrupted it. every single thing that they did. Yes, but I think I feel like I would I would have been just diving into the woods because that does not seem like something um, that would happen in front of me. I'm in danger kind of issue. So it all came about her being the May Queen and... Even though it was June. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that got on my nerves. Call her the Sun Queen, the Queen of Summer. Right. And anybody clue in that it's it's the summer solstice, it's midsummer. Dumb. But yeah, they just And they had They mine. need nine sat right? They get down to what we're realizing is that they need nine sacrifices, right? For that were brought from the people of the village. Like they purposely brought them back. Yeah. Too willing from their, from their own people. And then like, like three, three that got elected out of a lottery and then, or two that got elected out of a lottery. And then is that leave it? One was four, Mm -hmm. five, six, seven, eight. And then one that the May queen, this girl all dressed all these flowers and they're making everybody mm-hmm. trip out while doing this. And 
that's what I they did a really good job on making it otherworldly by showing um, most of the times they were always using mind altering something or another's. And I felt like that gave it a, the, the guy who looks like Chris Pratt. Can we just be honest? I mean, <laughs> Every holy time I hell. Looked at him, I thought it was. Holy <laughs> hell. Yeah. Um, He's got to be his cousin. Something. Uh, he did an awesome job uh, of acting like there's that part where he sits at the table and he's all in gray and everybody else is in white. Yeah. And she's at the front. They're very other. Again, these others, you know. He did a great job of pretending like, you know, something had control of his mind for sure, man. Yeah. I feel like the thing, you know, I watched it too. What I didn't like is I just didn't really feel like they, I mean, I guess they eventually told us about the reason why they were doing this, that something about it, it's a great festival every 90 years. Well, what, but why? What's the purpose? Is it just to worship the sun? Is it, has there been some kind of crisis? Mm. I mean, you are killing nine people. Mm. You know, I just felt like I wanted to know more about their reasoning mm -hmm. for this. Mm -hmm. And they made the people of that town so creepy that you really, and you didn't really like the American kids either. It's like, you didn't like anybody. Right. You know, like I didn't really... I wasn't siding with the people of Hagla, whatever, Sweden. And I wasn't siding with these kids and feeling that bad that they were getting taken out. I was a little empathetic of uh, the girl. So I had... Yeah. I, I mean, if there's some... one character, you're kind of like, this poor chick is on a, on a, on the fringes to begin with. Right. It was really good. It was really good. I liked it a lot. It had all the elements. And there weren't... I think there was one jump scare in the whole thing, maybe. And that guy got his head But I don't feel like that was a jump scare because you knew it was coming. I mean, you know, yeah, he showed I, up, I he was did, there. Yeah, I did, though. I literally did jumps when right. that happened. Okay. I but figured he's you're doing a bad, bad right now. You're going to get in trouble, so... I feel like too many movies <clears throat> rely on that jump scare tactic yeah. to try to scare you and and movies like uh it's a good movies like silence of the lambs i mean that was a scary movie without it being mm -hmm. that was psychologically right scary in some well, sort of sense and i also feel like what you didn't like about the witch like all these still shots of nature mm -hmm. i feel like they did that in midsummer too you know it wasn't as it was very bright and sunny and everybody's in white, but it was also very kind of slowish and I didn't, that was making me nervous. You know what I mean? Um, and I just wanted it to kind of go, but mm -hmm. they, I feel like that they were being really slow about it for a reason. I was, you know, kind of the suspense was building for me when all the buildings had all these markings and pictures on them and they just weren't putting them together mm -hmm. to be like, I need to get the fuck I out know, of like, here. is anyone looking at this art? Right. Is anyone looking at the girl cutting her pubic hair right. off and putting it in the in the pie? Right. Right? To, like, that was all right there. Yeah. I've been yeah. gone. I've been out. And that weird, weird-ass scene of Christian and the red-headed girl and all the old ladies yeah. that were like, 
What? Talking about performing under oh pressure. Oh my god. But he did. He totally <laughs> performed. He did. They helped. And what was what was the was blonde girl doing during that? Out she blessing, was blessing the orchards the or, something? or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They did a good job. I really liked that movie. It was just weird enough that you didn't know really what was happening, what was going on, what was the end result of all of this. And also that, holy shit, something weird is going on and there's going to yeah. be a bad result at yeah, the end of this. Yeah. It kind of really... made me feel like, am I on trips right now? Because yeah. this is like really slow and time is weird and I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't know what day it was because the sun, you know, stays because of yeah. where they're at in the hemisphere. What time is it? 9 p.m. I don't like that. Right. But they were all tripping out. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, but that's my uh, number three. Do I have anything else to say about that? Um, I feel like they showed the scene where the dude got hit in the face with a hammer a few too many yeah, times. I know. It like, yes, been, their faces are gone. It would have made more impact if they'd only shown that twice or something, uh -huh. but they kept kind of flashing back to that. Yeah. That um, was really drag, drug, dragged out. Drug yeah. out. Drug out. I don't know. Dragged Yeah. I'm going to go out, dragged That's it. it. That's it. <laughs> um, I think I liked it. The most because I did not know what was going to happen. I didn't know what the end was going yeah. to be. And even when I thought that I would predict something, like I thought they were going to gut Christian for sure. You know what I mean? But then they put him in the bear suit. So Yeah. And it's like, why? What's with the bear? Like, what's the symbolism in this bear? Like, I want to know more. Oh, there was one thing I was going to. I wish they wouldn't have used the Elder Fufark runes i wish yeah. they would have just made up with their own kind of weird runes or yeah. whatever i didn't like that they were naming that but it's all right yeah it's all right we have enough people trying to hollywood. hijack the runes so hollywood but it's okay yeah it was a good movie um that's my number three and i guess i'm gonna turn it now over to t-rex and her number three my number three is Hercules. Oh, shit. Disney's Hercules. Not the show Hercules, like the series. No. Oh, not I'm talking, Kevin Sorbo? No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch that. I can't no, believe I knew his name. I couldn't. No, no, no. I'm talking about 1997 Disneyfied Hercules. That is a good so, one. So, asterisk on this one, too, people. I think we just have to, it, when it's a Disney movie, when people get their panties in a bunch about Disney redoing a myth or mm. I don't know why we're looking to Disney for like historical accuracy either. You got like it's Disney. It's a different universe. We all know. So go read the real myths or learn about the real person like Pocahontas that's romanticized. And unfortunately we forgot how to like do our own research, but that's my star to the side of that. Mulan. Look up about the real Mulan. So I love this movie. I've loved this movie for 20 years. I actually watched it on Disney Plus at least three times now in the last, well, maybe twice in the last day. <laughs> because I like it so much. Um, and it reminds me of, I mean, I didn't have children when this movie came out at all. And I do remember being uh, as a junior in college and went to a trade show at the Javits Center. 
and they had some toys of Hercules there. It was like this, the, a baby Hercules doll and a baby Pegasus. And I came so close to buying them. But I was just like, Tamara, you are so poor as an art student. Do not leave this trade cell with some toys. So I regret that. But um, I was all about it because it was a movie about, you know, the Greek gods. And I was the, you know, I took an elective in high school. And again, in that junior year with Greek mythology, or maybe it was my senior year about Greek mythology and totally nerded it out up in the front, front row. Like this is the best thing ever. Um, before like as baby witch who didn't know she was a witch. Um, what do I love about this movie? I love the story itself. I love, I have watched this so many times and I pause it when they're on Mount Olympus, when Hercules is born. So Hercules is born to Hera and Zeus. In the original myth, he is Zeus's son, but he is a demigod, Hercules. He's half human and half god. Alcimene is his human mother, and he has a godfather, and Hera is pissed about it and drives Hercules crazy enough to kill his wife and children. So that premise right there is not a good Disney movie. So in this movie, they make Hera and Zeus his parents, and the gods are celebrating his birth. So I would watch it, and I would pause on all the scenes, and they're moving around Mount Olympus to see if I could figure out which gods are who. You know, and I, I love the fact that the gods are all different skin colors, and you know, a non and non natural skin colors, which is. I love that. They're not just all these white gods on Mount Olympus. Not a, not a single one of them is a normal skin color. Maybe Zeus looks a little bit like a normal skin color, but he's kind of gold and gorgeous. And overall, at the beginning... Hey! Hey! That is unnecessary. I'm talking about Hercules. Don't interrupt my story. What is your problem? Cat and dog problems up in here. Zoe, leave her alone. Anyway. Baby Hercules is born and he's super strong like his father. And they're having a party for his birth. And Hades comes. And it's very reminiscent of Maleficent showing up at, you know, Aurora's birth. And, you know, being mad that she wasn't invited. But Hades is invited and... He's, he can't stay long because he has to go back to the underworld where he's really busy because everybody, you know, lots of, lots of dead people. He's got to be down there. Who plays him? James Woods. Yeah, I thought yes. so. Yes. And so. it's such, it, it's so good. I've literally, I just laugh. I laugh my ass off when I watch this movie. And, and there is the fun part of it, but there's a whole other layer of, of Hercules and why I love it. But. Um, overall, they what Disney's doing is kind of switching out Hades for Hera. You know, in, in, in the myth of Hercules, you know, she's the one that creates all this terrible drama and the 12, you know, the 12, so they trials of Hercules or feats that he has to do. And so for this, it's that, you know, Hades is upset that he's just got the underworld and 
you know, he wants to know what he can kind of do because he wants more power. So he goes to the fates. And the fates are like these Macbeth-like three witches. They kind of remind me of the, the fates in Clash of the Titans. And not the new one. Newer one. The one with Harry Hamlin from like 1981 or something. They're all old and they share like one eyeball. Um, and then they, they prophesize. I even wrote it down because I love it so much and it's in rhyme. I remember the scissors cutting the... Yeah. That's so they a tell, cool image. Well, they, they do have that. So, you know, they're, they call them past, present, and future in this. But, you know, Clotho and Lachesis and Atropos would be their names. But they call them past, present, and future. And they do cut the thread of the, the, the mortal lives and, you know, fill up the underworlds. But they tell... Um, Hades that uh, oh I have it written down right in 18 years precisely the planets will align ever so nicely the time to act will be at hand unleash the titans your monstrous band then the once proud Zeus will finally fall and you Hades will rule all and Hades is all like woo and then they go wait a minute a word of caution to this tale if Hercules fights, you will fail. So, and this is beautiful scenery. The actual, one of the artists of this movie, I hear, was one of the artists on Pink Floyd's The Wall. And so it's drawn very differently than other Disney movies, just the way that they're, that they look. Um, and so Hades gets all crazy and he realizes he's got to get rid of Hercules, but you can't kill a god. So the first thing he does is gets his sidekicks pain and panic to make him mortal. And after they make him mortal, they're supposed to kill him. But they get interrupted and he had to drink every last drop of this potion. But he doesn't drink the last drop. So he retains his godlike strength, which is his saving grace. I think it's super cute that the scenery of Alcimanian, um Amphitryon, his adaptive parents, is very similar to the Superman myth. Um, how they find him. They find Superman like on the side of the road or something, or like in a crater, you know, and they, they find uh, they find Hercules, baby Hercules, just on the side of a cliff. And whereas Superman, does he like lift a car off the dad or something? And and Hercules is getting attacked by these snakes and he sort of ties them up and it's just the same exact, they, they play on that Superman myth there. And when Hercules kind of gets to be about maybe like 16, they finally tell him you're, we're not your real parents. You know, we found you and you had this, this thing around your neck that had the symbol of Zeus on it. And he goes off to kind of find his, place in the world very similar to superman you know we found you with this weird crystal go figure your shit out you know it's definitely a movie about the hero's journey which i really love um and he has to you know he feels he is another person who's on the sidelines he's othered no one likes him they call him jercules because he's so strong and he can't control his strength that's terrible i know um but it's this whole story of him having to figure out 
what it means to be a true hero so that he can become a god again. Um, that movie's narrated. No, it's not. Well, to some degree, right? Who no. are the narrators? There are no narrators. There are no narrators. Okay, well, what are the chicks on the side of the clay? Oh, well, there's a mir- the muses, but they don't... Okay. I guess they sing a couple songs to set it up, but they're not really narrating Narration. it. I don't feel like they're narrators. Okay. But I love the muses, too. They're black women that sing gospel and they're, they're all, all different sizes. They are. They're all different sizes. They have all different beautiful hairstyles. They're so gorgeous. I feel like Disney did a, a right thing there, you know, by making the gods different colors, by having these muses that are gospel singing beautiful black ladies. Um, I love the, the characters all seem to be like New Yorkers I know. You know, I've sat around and thought about Hades and Philoctetes. Who's Who plays that character? James Woods. No, Philoctetes. Oh, that's Danny DeVito. You said that yeah. character, so I don't you know which character you're talking Phyllis. about. No, that's all right. Um, it's Danny DeVito plays the little Philoctetes. Phil. He's his hero trainer. And he's a... Uh... Seder? Seder. Yep. He's got... Hercules has Pegasus, too. Yeah, I often hear you do the line that Pegasus... Yeah, hold on, hold on. Let's just, don't do it while I'm talking. No one ought to hear that. So I often hear you do the line from that Pegasus horse, which is... He's a magnificent horse with the brains of a bird. That? No, you just did it. Yes, because that's that. what he says. Zeus says he's a magnificent horse with the brains of a bird, and then, then Pegasus goes and then goes, Wait, what? <laughs> it just insult me. There's a lot of really funny, typical Disney things like that in that movie. Um, there's like Philoctetes and Hades use a lot of Yiddish words, like you know, people around New York do. You know, he eventually. Philoctetes eventually takes Hercules, who's ready to be a hero, you know, to the Big Olive, which is modeled after the Big Apple. You know, Thebes is a city in crisis, so that he can go beat up monsters and hopefully become a a hero, which he starts to do. Um, but all the people in the city are are total, are total. It's totally more modeled off of New York, and I think that's super funny. I've thought about what borough would some of these characters be from? You know, like uh, Hades is like a a Brooklyn Jew. He totally is. And Pain and Panic are like idiots from Queens. (laughs) 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 And Megara, she's kind of like a tough Bronx girl. And Philoctetes, you know, he lives on an island kind of far out. And that's totally Staten Island. You don't go to Staten Island unless you live there. So, yeah, it's not easy to get to. Um, well, one of my favorite. Like, what? Go ahead. One of my favorite lines from that is when Hades is my hair out. <laughs> that's, that's yes, cool. Hades has a lot of funny lines. I haven't been this choked up since I got a hunk of moussaka caught in my throat. <laughs> you know, he uses a. Uh, 
pain and panic are just these little sidekicks that he has in the underworld. And yeah, total always... cliche that the evil guy has two buffoons working for him. <laughs> total <laughs> cliche. And then he's like, memo to me, memo to me, maim you after my meeting. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of really funny, funny, funny lines, but. James Woods delivers those lines so dryly. Listen, Kalima. Um, and I feel like if you really watch it, the expressions that the artists give their faces are hysterical. It's a really, really funny movie. But again, I really like the idea of what is a true hero, you know, and, and the idea that the gods in this are not omnipotent. Just like I don't believe that the gods are omnipotent, meaning that they don't have control over everything. This baby stolen from Zeus and Hera and made mortal, but and there's nothing that they can do about it. You know, they don't have all this power. And so when Hercules is old enough and he's told, you know, hey, I'm your dad. You can this is how you can attain your godhood and come home to us, but you know, you have to do it. I can't do it for you. Right. It's he such a lot. Like, yeah, the, the gods can't do everything for us. And we have power. I think that's. Yeah. The lesson there we have too. to find it within ourselves. Just like Hercules has to find what being a true hero is all on his own. And they're there to support him and they're waiting for him. But it's his own journey that he has to figure out. Of course, with help. He's got his hero trainer. You know, there's the challenges and obstacles that are being put in front of him along the way. Um, there's realizing, like, finding his own weakness. You know, what is his weakness? It becomes his love for Megara. You know, that's his only weakness. He looks like such a doofus in the beginning of it. He's cute. It's great. So Hercules has to figure out how to be a, what does a true hero mean? He's beaten up all these monsters and become really famous and everybody loves him and he's not othered anymore. And he goes to the temple to be like, I finally did it, father. And Zeus has to tell him, well, you're not exactly there yet. And Hercules argues that he's he's even an action figure. So like, come on, once you become an action figure, you gotta be a great hero. But he's he's not he's not attained his godhood. And then it just comes down to um, the time that the stars are going to align is approaching and Hades, Hades cannot find how Hercules has a weakness and finally realizes that his weakness is Megara and appears to Hercules and tells him like, hey, I need you to like not be a hero for like a day. And Hercules tells him, like, basically to screw off. And then he shows him that he's got Megara captured. And Hercules agrees to give up his power for 24 hours, which is enough time for Hercules to, in, or for Hades to invade Olympus and free the Titans and steal Zeus's throne. But he makes him promise that Megara will not get hurt. And, and Hades promises and, you know, yeah, but she, no problem. She gets hurt. You know, you get all your powers back, blah, 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 whatever. 
and they shake on it, and then he frees all the titans, and they're just big dolts, and it's funny, and they capture all the gods, and um, he also tells Hercules that Meg has been working for him the whole time, and Hercules is heartbroken, and he starts to get his ass kicked by, like, a cyclops, and here is where Meg starts to become helpful to Hercules, and Meg does get hurt, so Hercules gets all his power back, but Megara dies from being crushed by pushing Hercules out of the way of a falling pillar. And Phil tells him some things you can't change, and Hercules decides, no, I can change this, and somehow gets to the underworld and rides Cerberus, a three-headed dog, into <laughs> Hades's realm and offers himself in place of Meg. And the way Hades looks at it is, is you know, his son's, or his rival's son, for this girl that he doesn't care about. So no problem. You can dive into this river of souls and rescue her. And you can get her out, and she's free, and I get to keep you. But once, hey, once Hercules jumps in there, he starts to die, and the threads of his fate are being pulled out by the fates, and they go to clip it, and it turns gold. And it basically became that he was willing to sacrifice himself for this girl. So being a hero is not the measure of your strength, but the strength of your heart. And blah, blah, blah. he becomes a god, and I remember like when he comes up over the edge of that cliff and he's all glowing with all these beams of gold because now he is a god again. He's such a beautiful drawn character and he completely reminds me of, did at the time, of my goddaughter Haley's dad who was like a kung fu sifu. So Haley, that Hercules totally reminds me of your dad. Um, and he punches out Hades and brings her soul back to her body and gets swept up to Olympus and he's now a god and is welcomed home, but he decides <coughs> to stay <laughs> on on Earth to be with Meg. And so, You're yeah, to the end. I loved it. I loved it. And then, you know, it's super funny. It's super cute. And it talks about, you know, the path of a hero. But I feel like for me, some of the, the song, like, Hercules' main song about finding his way and going the distance for myself at that point in my life really spoke to me um, on a really personal level because of things I was going through and being unsure that I could make it to the, the goals that I had. So I still, to this day... <laughs> I cry at the end of Hercules and you'll totally laugh at me, but the version of Hercules song that Michael Bolton sings. Oh my God. Not a Michael Bolton fan. But the man has a very good singing voice. I don't like particularly his music, but that version of that song makes me ball like totally ball because of the things that it's reminding me of. So it had to be on my list. It is good. 
and I can sing every single song and probably do all of the script from beginning to end, just like I can the Nightmare Before Christmas. Well, yeah. <laughs> Should we have a song? Yeah, so we might want to make a part two for our last two movies. Sure. So that Let's we're not that. super long here. So we can do our our last song and then do our last two on our part two episode. Then you Sounds can join good. us for in a few days. And what's this song we're gonna hear? What is this one? Well uh, again we're we're having a metal horse night and this one's called Saint Pharos. Again, you can find these songs and the audio book for The Hooves of Islebane on Metal Horse's website. Which is metalhorse.band. And you should go like them on Facebook, too. I've heard that the longer version of this is called St. Pharos the Baptist. St. Pharos the Baptist? Mm -hmm. This I didn't know. You learn something new every day, Francis. Here it is. Here it is. All right. St. Pharos the Baptist. By Man of Horse. Hell. Watch your trees. Oh.